Welcome to Tell Me About It, Episode 6. Today I have Peggy Lynch, who was actually referred to me by my last guest, Rona Beaumont. And Peggy was one of the former heads of the Domestic Abuse Unit with the Calgary Police Service. And now she has her own consulting business and is a full-time astrologer. So we're going to dive right into each of these careers and see what really shifted that change. So thank you for being here, Peggy. I'm very excited. Thanks for inviting me, Nina. Of course. So let's just dive right in and get into the Calgary Police Service. So what kind of started your whole journey with them? Well, uh, as life does, it puts you in places where you make choices. So I never, I grew up in Montreal. I'd never seen a policewoman. Never occurred to me that that was a career option. Mm -hmm. And when I moved to Calgary, I was here three days and we were the girl a friend I moved here with, we went downtown to rent a car. And we had to wait an hour. And in that hour, you know, this is how the angel sets things up. <laughs> uh, the police recruiting unit was right across the street from the car rental company. Mm-hmm. So the girl I moved here with had a bit of blue fever. She liked cops. She <laughs> thought that she should is work. Is that what it's called? That's <laughs> what it's called, blue fever. <laughs> and that, you know, she'd like to work for the police department. So we went across and she started filling out an application. I did not. I don't type. I don't, mm-hmm. as I explained to the receptionist. The receptionist said, as my friend is off doing her typing test, well, why don't you apply? I said, well, I don't type. I don't, I don't want to be a secretary when I grow up. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I don't have those skills. Mm-hmm. So... She uh, opened up her drawer and said, well, why don't you apply for a police officer? I said, you mean like a meter maid? I'd never seen, like I say, a policewoman. She says, no, like a police officer in a car. This is back in 1980. And I said, sure, give me that one. And I filled it out. And the process took three months or so. In that time, I saw policewomen. I met, spoke with them. And I thought, I can do this job. Actually, I'd be good at this job. Because I, I am, you know, five foot, oh, I was five foot 11 at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, that height was of no use to me in Montreal, where everyone is five foot one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought I could put my physical uh, abilities to use here, as well as I like people. So okay. I really fell into the career. And how long were you a police officer? 26 years. Oh, yeah. wow. That's yeah. a long time. Yeah, I retired there 12 and a half years ago. Okay. So, and, and how long were you in Montreal versus Calgary? I moved here when I was 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. uh, you know, at that time when it's, you want to go off on your own, 23. Yeah. yeah. And then how did you get into the domestic abuse unit? Well, I, I did, um, you know, I call it, we call it our time on the street, you know, <laughs> where you're working shifts and yeah. uh, with all the people the rest of society doesn't want to spend time with, we get to spend time with. Mm-hmm. And um, at some point, uh, I branched into an area of doing analysis. Okay. And we need a crime analyst intelligence analyst that kind of thing and I, when I was in that role they were forming a new domestic conflict unit there were four four of us constables and one sergeant and uh, I was tasked with the role of reading all every domestic complaint report that came in okay. and then trying to flag those 
that looked like there's something we could do. Those that were repeat offenders, those that were escalating in any way. Right. So uh, that was why it was brought in initially was to do some analysis of now there's much more sophisticated ways of doing that. Right. You know, there's more um, science in, in it. But at the time, we just want to know where we were needed. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you can't really, like, talk details, but throughout the years, have there been any cases that have kind of, like, really stuck with you mm. and that you still think about from time yeah. to time? Well, you know, overall, I'd say, especially in domestic conflict, um, mm. the, the big learning for me, especially as a police officer, you go back to these domestics over and over again, and there can be a feeling and, and even a frustration with other family members, members mm-hmm. who might see a woman in a situation and she goes back and she goes back. And none of us can understand no. why she goes back. But yeah. she is as caught in the cycle of abuse as the offender. Right. And they're very good. Offenders are con men. Right. And so, yeah, there are, you know, specific uh, women I recall, I remember that I learned from in domestic unit. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, of my time on the street, of course, there are, you know, even when I drive around Calgary now, even if it was 30 years ago, and I pass a house where there was a death, a particular be- death or a particular thing, it still mm-hmm. brings back all those memories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't drive through where I used to work on the street a lot because <laughs> it's kind of, brings oh, I remember that. this, I remember that. Um, but it, it does impact you personally. I mean, my very first shift on the street out of classes, I went to a, a death, a motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. And I arrived at the scene, and the fellow's head was about 10 feet away from his body. Wow. So you don't ever forget that. No. <laughs> but, and you don't know how you'll react in that situation when you see blood all over and carnage. Mm-hmm. And some part of you shuts down mm-hmm. so that you don't have a reaction to it. So to do my job that very first night, I had to realize, how do I best help this person? Right. I need witnesses. I need... You know, I, I have, there's jobs to be performed. So, um, yeah, you never know. And some people, you know, some of the biggest, toughest guys I ever worked with mm-hmm. had shed more tears than many women I know. You That's know what crazy. I mean? In private. Yeah. And it was very nice to work with a partner who would go there, who would open up and say, man, I was really affected by that last right. night. How about you? And uh, that's not always the case, because like many of us, we learn to shut that down. How often do you think mental health is an underlying cause? Uh, Well, I used to say if there wasn't drugs and mental health issues, police wouldn't have a job. Fair enough. Because a lot of the break and enters, a lot of the thieving is to feed a drug addiction. Mm -hmm. And we don't deal in society very well with people with mental health issues. Right. Um, So they're our neighbors. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking, you know, uh, I'm talking in estate areas. And I, w- I was a community liaison officer for a few years, and that trying to resolve neighbor complaints. And often you would get someone mm-hmm. who happened to have money and mental health issues and would terrorize a neighbor's children by yelling at them, screaming at them in the backyard. And I would kind of coach the, the f- parents mm-hmm. to move. Because there's nothing we can do about the nut that lives next door. Right. Right. So um, as long as they're not in danger, but they're still impacted. Right. And uh, 
I, I have an affinity for people who have mental health issues. It was like I had a magnet. <laughs> they seemed to show up. And I had the patience, I would, I would say, was my one thing, to recognize that their behaviors were not them. Mm. It was the illness that was showing itself yeah, or the sure. frustrations. And in a lot of cases in domestic conflict, too, it was you know, mental health issues that mask themselves as alcoholic right. and drug abuse, where people are trying to self-medicate because they're not getting the help they need. In the domestic abuse unit, what do you think were the most common cases? Were they like parents with children or like spouse and partners? Mostly spouse and partners. Um, And at the time, keeping in mind, when we talk about statistics, which was part of my role there, Mm -hmm. uh, in the mid-90s is when the police started actually tracking domestic cases more clearly. Because many of them were just written off because it was a mother and a son or, you know, they didn't take that into account. They were looking for, you know, spouse, spousal abuse more than anything Mm -hmm. And there was, I'd say even in the early 80s, I worked with partners when we'd go to domestic and they would, you know, kind of say, well, you let him in the house, you know, and we're here, he's calm now, let's go, let's not. And and often I'd have to say, I'm not leaving until he does. You know, this woman owns the house and um, he's a guest and now he's an unwanted guest, right? He has no rights here. So that, that, there you know, in all of society, that shift had to occur. And it took, you know, a few decades, mm. where now I think there's much more, um, I would say, uniform response to going to domestics. Interesting. Yeah. So these next few questions are actually from my social media page from some of my listeners. So the first one is, what do you think the ratio between men and women domestic abuse mm. cases are? Uh, I've been out of it for quite a while, but I would, um, you know, at the time, it was 90% men being abusers, I would say, and, uh, but a lot of men would not call the police, so Mm. this is another issue. Right. And when we think of abuse, we think of physical abuse, but there is mental abuse, there is social, uh, financial abuse, you know, it it is all about power abuse any type of abuse and then there's also same-sex couples that probably didn't phone the police back in the 80s and they do now so so yeah um, yeah I and I always remember one case where the partner I happened to be working with was also a six foot tall woman so it wasn't it was a rarity that two women worked together but he he finally got the courage to call about his wife abusing him and the two of us show up <laughs> wow. He was, I think, looking for a male to have his side, but like, I mean, it was, yeah. <laughs> but the look on his face when two women walked in was pretty priceless. Yeah, and that—that yeah. that was another question. How often do you think cases get underreported? So you'd yeah. say pretty well, you, and especially domestic. You know, we think mm-hmm. every a domestic happens, and I don't want to taint these communities, but you know, Bonas Forest Lawn, some of the the lower economic. There was the exact same amount of abuse in the estates areas, but estate houses are much farther apart than fourplexes in Forest Lawn. It wasn't the couple that would call about the abuse, it was the neighbors. So if you look at statistics, they can lead you down a wrong path. 
Hmm. As the, the same amount of abuse, just handled differently, and neighbors didn't call. Reported differently. Yeah. yeah. And some uh, well-educated, rich, I always remember this one woman, she knew her husband's cycle of abuse so well. They lived in Edgemont Estates or something, very posh yeah. neighborhood. Uh, and she would time, she would, if she... She knew that he, every three months, he was in a cycle and he'd have an abusive episode. Mm. She had bought a, a dress, a sleeveless breast dress in Paris, and she knew she was going to a wedding in August and she wanted to wear the dress. And so she moved his cycle up by inciting an incident so the bruises would be gone by August so she could oh wear her gosh. dress. So you know what I mean? It's not, it's, so it's, it's a, a cycle. It's not just one abuser it, it's right. we get sucked into that cycle yeah and in your opinion what do you think is the most effective way to rehabilitate an mm. abuser well there has to be willingness on the person's part you can yeah. you can they can take any anger management courses they want but what it really comes down to is communication and uh I say, you know, looking at my life now, now maybe when I was with the police, I didn't have this, carry this attitude or I wouldn't speak about it. Mm -hmm. But all, all abuse, all anger, all physical violence is a behavior because the person is feeling not heard. They're lashing out in their pain. I don't think someone, most people don't wake up and say, I'm going to kill my wife today. Mm -hmm. It is, it's something that behavior but there has to be an understanding of where it comes from yeah and then how many arrests do you think you've made as a policewoman (laughs) a lot (laughs) a lot a lot and some of them were fun you know what I mean like like my whole goal of going to work in the morning was to come home in the same shape that I went to work in I didn't have to fight if it took me an hour to talk someone down Hey, you're paying me. Yeah. (laughs) I'll take the hour. I wasn't, didn't have to be aggressive. There were some, of course, you know, memorable arrests, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I wouldn't guess at a number. Because I did about half my time, my 26 years, my time sounds Mm -hmm. like a sentence, uh, (laughs) on the street and about half of it in specialty areas like the video production unit and our um, uh, strategic intelligence unit. So I, I... and seniors was my last portfolio, which I really loved okay. working with seniors. Yeah. So let's get into astrology. Yeah. So how and why did your career yeah. change? <laughs> Once upon a time, <laughs> I had always been interested in astrology. Uh, when I lived in Montreal in my teens, I wrote a, a column for a local newspaper about astrology. Mm-hmm. So it was always an interest of me, mine. Mm-hmm. And I say to people now, because I get that asked that question, how do you go from all the facts, ma'am, what you see, hear, feel, taste, yeah. all those senses, to everything you can't hear, feel, taste? Completely what? different. How yeah. do you do that? Well, I, I think I was always meant to be an astrologer, and maybe did in a past life, because it came very easily to me. And I say those 26 years were astrological research. Hmm. Because what does a cop ask you? Name and date of birth. I knew the sign of pretty much everyone I was dealing with, including my coworkers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes, um, you know, when you're new at, at interviewing suspects, you don't know how to approach them when you go into an interview room. So I would look at their sign, mm-hmm. and I would approach them by sign. So if it was a Scorpio, I knew they're not going to talk, so i just sit there for an hour in silence. 
if they were a Gemini, I just have to be their best friend for two seconds and they'll tell me anything I want to know. <laughs> so, you know, at least I had some way of going in, whether, you know, I had some success. I'm sure everybody did whether, but it made me feel better. Um, and then I saw people in their worst moments. Mm-hmm. That's when you phone the police, not when you're having a party. Yeah. Um, and I could see how different signs reacted to these moments. So you see people at their rawest. So as I was nearing retirement, I said, what do I want to do? And I thought, well, I already know what I want to do. So I started uh, studying in much more earnest. And so I hit the ground running when I retired and started seeing clients almost immediately afterwards. So what do you do on like a daily basis? Like, so you're an astrologer. You also do tarot readings. Yeah. So I I love tarot. I like like the symbolism. Mm -hmm. I look at astrology as a language. Mm-hmm. A language of self-inquiry. So an astrologer can say, oh, you're a Gemini. That means this, this, and this. Well, that could be total BS. Right. You have to make that true for yourself. And the minute you're asking yourself that question, am I like this? That's the juice right there. Right. Because then you're doing some self-examination. Mm-hmm. Um, on a daily basis, I, I, have, I see clients in my home. Mm-hmm. I... Uh, teach I make astro jewelry I <laughs> I uh, you know and I'm retired I'm I I sit around a lot too and meditate and read and uh, nice. I love my life right now and I can be as busy as I want and or not yeah you run your schedule yeah, I do amazing. and I have a, a a character that I do called Madame Popo you wouldn't want to meet her she's pretty <laughs> sassy what is this <laughs> madame popo is uh she started i started doing stand-up comedy don't ask how i fell into that but this character came out of that i got a gig and i needed to fill 20 extra minutes so i created this this woman mm-hmm. and she's pretty sassy she has her own website and she's got some terrible advice for people who bother to ask so uh once in a while i did uh, more probably 10 years ago I do uh, fundraisers and things like that and do mm-hmm. mini readings. Um, and the tarot for me, uh, when I do an astrology reading and you come to see me for an hour and a half, at the end we always pull cards because people may forget what you mm-hmm. said, although you get a recording. Um, right. There's something about the visual symbols in the cards that people tend to remember more than what they heard. And the cards always, always, without fail, speak to whatever we spoke about during this session so um that's kind of what i do can you explain the basis of horoscopes and like where they where do they come from well this is an ancient art people say oh astrology is bunk astrologers and astronomers used to work in tandem. Mm. Astrologers were used in the early, early um, thousands of years ago. I can go back to Babylon. We have Babylonian astrology. And they were used more by the kings and the leaders. So a king could, an astrologer knew when eclipse was coming. So you know where the, the moon goes in front of the sun and it's dark. Right right? Mm -hmm. They knew how to calculate that. And they tell the king, it's going to be dark next Saturday. And he would go out in front of his people. He said, if you don't do this and this, 
I have the power mm-hmm. to turn the sun off. Mm-hmm. And of course, the sun would be turned off. Yeah. So people then, it was a way of keeping people in line. Interesting. Um, and it was only really in the 1800s more where it became more of a personal uh, use of astrology. It used to be used more for predictions than mm-hmm. for personal development and especially in the early 1900s and in France uh, there were a few astrologers who started writing columns about more personal astrology about how you could use the stars because it's all cycles goes around comes around right good to know is there a difference between an astrologist and astrologer (laughs) well uh I know when you think of psychology, you think, oh, someone who practices psychology is a psychologist. Mm -hmm. Somebody who practices astrology, 99.9% of us call ourselves astrologers. Mm -hmm. People who use the word astrologist are often journalists, people who don't know anything about astrology. And I find what's happened lately is um, Facebook has a category. So if you're trying to describe your business, it might not have psychic reader, but it has the word astrologist. And some people have been tagging themselves with that. So this is, I've just noticed it in the last few years that people are calling, oh, you're an astrologist. Uh, where'd you get that? No, I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, but we tend to refer ourselves as astrologers. Okay. Yeah. Do you think your astrology chart reveals your fate? Well, no. Uh, I like that way you phrase that question. Fate, I, I don't think. What I believe is, is it is a map for the possibilities. Mm-hmm. It, so you come here, you know, you're a ball of energy in the sky. Not you, Nina. Mm-hmm. The soul that's you. says, for some reason, I've screwed up. I have to come to Earth and have an earthly experience to evolve something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ah, what do I have to evolve? Here's my, in the chart, we see the challenges to that evolution, and we see the gifts. And, we, and what happens is, you're born, and the, the chart is a snapshot of where everything was in the sky at that exact moment you took your first breath. Mm-hmm. The planets, of course, keep moving around. So what a lot of people will come to me for is, we'll do a natal chart and say, here's your wiring. You always, always, always have free choice. You can tell the universe, screw you, I'm not evolving this time around. I'm going to stay yeah. in my hurt self and my misery and pain. I'll come back. I'm too tired this lifetime. <laughs> I'll come back again and try again. And some people, that's exactly what happens. But I do believe that it is a, a way of looking at your life. Again, like I say, am I like this? Am I like that? Mm-hmm. And there's all sorts of forces. You can use many, many ways to examine the Enneagram, you know, uh, personality, all these personality tests that happen in oil companies and managerial places. Yeah. It's very similar. You're talking about characteristics. Okay. Yeah. After meeting someone, are you able to immediately tell what sign they are? No, some people do have that, um, I don't want to say gift, or I can take an educated guess if I'm with someone for a while, Mm -hmm. but there are parts of our chart. So before we started here today, I asked you when your birthday was, and you told me, and I said, oh, you're a Gemini. Mm -hmm. So the characteristics of the archetype of Gemini 
I could say, and I think I said to you, broadcasting is a Gemini thing, you know, communication, that kind of thing. I know a lot of quiet Geminis. Mm. So, you know, it's not, it's, it's all, it's the whole chart. It's not just your sun sign. And the sun is just one part of you. It's kind of how you shine in the world. But your Venus is how you love and what you value. Your Mars is how you go after what you want, what you'll fight for, your passions, your motivation. Every planet, you know, Mercury is how we communicate, how we view the world. So when you take that all together, I can't tell you about a Gemini. But if you know your birth time, there is a point in the chart that is the mask that you don when you get here. So that's why Geminis all don't all look alike. Mm-hmm. And often the person will take on physical characteristics of that mask. So, okay. And so you could have 12 different masks if you're a Gemini. But if you have an Aries rising or a Taurus rising, Cancer rising, it'll, it'll look a little bit different. And so I meet you at a party. And let's say you had a Leo rising. Mm-hmm. I'd say, oh, she looks like a Leo to me. Then I get to talk to you and know you. But, oh, she's a Gemini. Then when I really get to know you, you reveal to me your moon. Because right. that's the most, and the moon is very important in our makeup. It's how, how we do you de- figure out your moon? Well, you can have a get a chart cast, or you can go to astro.com, and okay. I don't plug anything. These are, it's a totally professional uh, site. You do have to make a, um, a profile, but you can do up to 100 charts for free there. Okay. And that's and they don't spam you. You might get one or two things a year saying we're having a special. It's it, they're in Switzerland, but it's very respected site. Astro. What was that com. called? Astro. Astro. Com. Com. Okay. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, your moon sign is how you process emotion. So it may be, um, you know, what triggers you. Somebody cuts you off in traffic. You're responding to that with your moon sign. You you think okay. you know, yeah. Good to know. Um, do you believe that certain signs are compatible with one another? Well, <laughs> if I had a dime for every time someone says, who's my perfect mate? <laughs> I would be in, I don't know. Or, oh, uh, no, yes. I can't be with this Taurus. Yes, They'll yes. never work out. <laughs> well, I've been married 30 years to someone that I shouldn't be with. So you can make any relationship work. And relationship is not there really to fulfill you. They're there to teach you. So if you are in too easy a relationship, you might not grow. And you get bored. Well, maybe the Gemini would get bored. (laughs) Uh, But um, there are, of course, you know, easier relationships than others. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the soul that came here, that little ball of energy, to evolve something sometimes will be attracted to those that have the lesson for them. And some of the bigger lessons are relationships where I do the most learning and they're Mm -hmm. uncomfortable. And I'll keep attracting the same with a different face, but I'll keep attracting the same energy until I get that lesson. Hmm. So, you know, John was first and he was an idiot. And now I'm with Paul and I realize after six months, he's <laughs> the same idiot as John was, right? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully Peter comes along and I've learned my lesson and I can appreciate. Sometimes we, especially when we're young, we go after the bad boys. Yeah. We don't want to be bored. We got all this as energy. All do, yeah. So, um, but uh, there's some good in in waiting not you know we can get along with anyone yeah totally um i have a few questions from instagram Mm -hmm. what does it really mean when mercury is in retrograde and why does Uh, it mess up my life yes (laughs) 
Well, what it really means is Mercury never really goes backwards. All the planets go in one direction. But it's an optical illusion from Earth. Mercury is between us and the sun. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's going backwards. It's kind of like if you're on a train and there was a slower train. It almost looks like it's going backwards. Right. Yeah. Right. So it, that happens three times a year. It's for about two, three weeks. And for most of us, um, it messes up, especially on the day it goes retrograde and the day it goes forward again. Mm-hmm. Um, it messes up communications. Uh, you know, I try not to travel on those days, but, you know, life happens and I've had to travel. So I just double check. I've got my passport. I've got, you know, everything. Yeah. You have to double check. And then any kind of uh, computer, all my computer issues are Mercury retrograde. <laughs> um, but then on each side of that retrograde is a shadow period. So it's really about nine weeks, three times a year. So we're in that energy quite a bit. Hmm. And Mercury is the planet, like I say, of communication, transportation. Uh, so, but also old friends come back in our lives during those times, that kind of thing. Yeah, okay. not a good time to start something new. I wouldn't probably, you know, send out if I had a big uh, marketing campaign. I probably wouldn't do it on Mercury retrograde uh, because something will have to mm-hmm. be re- redone. And uh, let's see, other thing. Yeah, like I say, sometimes life goes on, but you just want to make sure your eyes are yeah. dotted and your T's are crossed. Um, does it affect certain signs more than others? So yes, it would affect. If the Merc- Mercury was retrograde last month, it just went forward again on July 31st, mm-hmm. and that was in the sign of Cancer and Leo. So if you're Cancer and Leo and you have planets in that area, that's you'd be more affected. Makes sense, yeah. yeah. And it's not just the sun. So if you had your Venus in Cancer, you wouldn't know that unless you cast a chart, of course, mm-hmm. then maybe it would be an old boyfriend because Venus is our love planet, what we lure to ourselves. So, yeah, it shows up differently for different people. And you can be affected by one and not affected by the other two during the year, right? Does gender play a role with zodiac signs? I have noticed, yes. I have noticed, yes, because it's the way we express. So females express differently than males. Not all females, not all males, you know. Mm -hmm. But in general terms... um, so a an Aries woman appearing selfish, because <laughs> that's what we do, <laughs> I'm speaking for myself, um, will look different than a male energy in, in that. Um, all the signs I notice uh, differences, but I'm a female, so maybe if I was a male astrologer, I would say it would that it's, yeah, it'd be maybe. that it's, you know, the women that are more <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, different expression. How accurate is one's natal chart? Well, it's as accurate as you say it is. Hmm. You know, you can go to 10 different astrologers. Astrology, again, is an art. The same planetary things are going on, but how they're interpreted, um, and I do, I teach with a lot of other astrologers. I go to conferences. We There's yeah. a, quite a thriving community in Calgary of astrologers. And in Alberta, we're hosting, well, this year it's in Edmonton. You know, we we work quite well with our Edmonton group too. But every second year we change. We we host and they host. And there's a big Canadian conference coming up in September. Go to edmontonastrology.com. Uh, you can, if you're interested, there's a host of really good Canadian speakers coming. So we, it's a thriving. Cool. Yeah. 
Um, I have another question here, and I'm going to butcher this, but what is that new zodiac sign? Ophicious? Yes. (laughs) And what does it mean? I know exactly what you're talking about. I think it was 2013. There was a slow nudes day in the middle of Idaho or something, and the cub reporter went out to the local community college and said, hey, astronomers, what's new? Well, you know, there's actually 13 zodiac signs, not 12. Those astrologers are crazy. (laughs) And so it became a thing, and I had my son... At the time, I can't remember how old this. Maybe it wasn't before 2013. But his friends were phoning saying, Mama, Lynch, do I have to change my tattoo? <laughs> Apparently, I'm not a oh, Scorpio God. anymore. Um, and there are actually 78 constellations in the sky. Why we use the 12 here in Western astrology is because when the Earth was formed at the equator, if I sent out a string at the equator, the 12 constellations that would have been hit were the 12 signs of the zodiac you see. And we've stayed with that. But every time there's an earthquake, every time there's a little earth event, the earth has tilted on its axis ever so slightly. So now if I go out from the equator, Mm -hmm. I'm hitting 13. But Western, and so the Eastern astrology, Vedic astrology, Indian astrology uses those. Mm -hmm. But here in the West, we use, we go by season. We start our astrological year March 21st. This Aries, the baby of the Zodiac. And everyone is assigned 30 degrees in the sky. So you're saying that I still am a Gemini and I don't have to get my tattoo removed. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How do you deal with skepticism and do you get a lot of it? I do. You haven't been to a family dinner? (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, I don't deal with it. It's not, I don't, you have your opinion. I really don't care. I don't dissuade if you want to believe there's, I'm, good for you that's that's your path mm-hmm. I'm not here to convince anyone I'm not here to I'm I I like the fact I think part of you know my reason and if you want to talk about angels and how they work I was probably placed in the policing world mm-hmm. for 25 years 27 years in order to have some credibility when I left there that makes it safe for some people to explore astrology and so I'm the way in. I'm an easy way in. Mm. You you want to believe it? Try it out for yourself. So I'll have somebody give somebody a gift certificate, and they'll come. They don't want to be there. It's usually somebody's boyfriend. You know, <laughs> I'm doing this for her. Okay. <laughs> but when they leave, I had a fellow just day before yesterday. He says, have you been reading my diary? My diary. You know, so he. That's I funny. was saying things to him that were so dead on. It's like, how do you know this? Mm. So it's not like, I don't say it's like psychic, but there is a, a, a the art of what comes out of my mouth is sometimes fed. Mm. So I can say 20 things about a Gemini. But when I start talking to you specifically, it's like, there's some leading that I'm going to say these three things, not those other 17 right. things. Do you know what I mean? That That's the art part. So you have a palette, you're painting a picture, am I taking this shade, this shade, or this shade? Mm-hmm. So there is some some okay. of that. Yeah. yeah um, I don't do skeptics. Last question I have here, and yeah. I just like to ask this kind of personal, but do you believe in like one God or like what's your kind of spiritual yeah. take on I love the word God, but I I didn't always. Mm -hmm. Um, I was brought up Catholic, so that had, you know, I had a lot of stuff around God and guilt. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Both start with a G. (laughs) Um, But what I've learned is that God, when I hear that word now, I use the word beauty instead. That's what God is. God is beauty. God is love. God is, and 
Um, with some clients, I don't use that. I'll use universe. I'll use the word source, you know. But I, um, I like the fact that I was brought up in a religion that has some rituals and some beliefs. And that the, at the end of the day, as long as you're feeling that you're not alone, whatever you call that other entity... Mm-hmm. that gives you peace and light same thing as angels we don't know if there's angels do we but millions and millions of people go to church every sunday yeah. who has seen god no one no one yeah but we see it in another person's eyes and another person's actions in compassion so you can call whatever I, makes them happy what, right? whatever makes them happy i don't they don't have to use my word Words, we're limited by words. They're just labels mm. to describe an energy that is love. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> mm. um, before we go, do you want to tell people where they can find you online if anyone's yeah. interested in your services? Thank you. Um, I am at www.gemstars.ca. Gem, G-E-M, stars, S-T-A-R-S, dot C-A. <laughs> And it's Peg, and I am on Facebook, but I'm not on Facebook a lot. Um, Yeah, so you can see my services there. I have a newsletter I send out once a month of what's going on in the sky right now. So you want to know when Mercury is retrograde (laughs) and who it's affecting, um, you can sign up for that. And I can say it's once a month. And uh, what else do I do? Well, I'm teaching some classes in the uh, beginner astrology in the fall and Mm -hmm. probably how to use moon cycles more effectively in your life. Those are two popular ones. Stay tuned for that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. I learned a lot. And yeah, it, it was, was nice to meet you. Thank yeah, you. You as well. Thanks. Thank you.